submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon, where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. I don't care what it costs. I want to know what the truth is. And I hope that people, my son, anybody, if my name comes up, whether you like me, whether you agree with me or not, at least you can respect the fact that He's on a quest for truth. He's on a quest for truth. Welcome to Skiba News Nation, bringing you unfiltered views, news, interviews, discussions, and more. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Skiba, award-winning musician, and son of Rob Skiba. Hey Skiba News Nation family, welcome to episode 64 of Skiba News Nation, your weekly source of the latest news, controversial topics, conspiracies, forgotten history, and so much more. I'm your host, Jeremiah Skiba, and today we're going to be talking about the government bans Russell Brand and the rise of trusted news sources, pastor used AI chatbot, digital abomination, transhumanism, the new AI religion, and the new globalist agenda for our future. Dozens of UFO whistleblowers confirm crash retrieval. Nancy Pelosi exposed for blatant lying about Jan 6. CDC makes disturbing vax moves. An all new Opus Corner and for history, we'll be taking a deep dive into Scientology. Is it a cult? Is it a religion? Who knows? Memes and much more. So subscribe and stay tuned. Now as always, I'd like to introduce my great and insightful co-host who looks like he's in a tent, Jake Grant. Welcome Jake. Hello, Jeremiah. I am indeed in a tent coming from you live, preparing to keep Sukkot with my family. Do you guys want a little tour of my tent setup? Absolutely. All right, check this out. All right, so, you know, I'm literally in a tent. Uh, you know, got the baby crib there. There's, uh, there's Jeremiah there. You know, I got my setup here. <laughs> Literally got like a studio set up in a tent for one of a kind, you know. Very cool. So, uh, 
I wish I could be there, man. Awesome, man. Yeah, next year, man. Next time, you you guys ought to come out. It's a it's a blast, and and we love getting out here and getting around people to celebrate, sing, dance, sit around the campfire and talk and eat good food, you know? Sweet, man. Well, I know you got a good current news. You got some really good current news topics today, so you ready to dive right in? All right, let's get into it. Let's do it. All right, guys. So this week we have some interesting videos. Uh, if you haven't heard yet, a, uh, a new up-and-coming truther on the interwebs, Russell Brand, uh, who could be a you know well-intentioned truther, or he could be a gatekeeper, or you know who who knows, was recently banned from various social media sites uh, by government decree from the British government. And I wanted to share this video because it, it really does broadcast to the world uh, how the government is starting to implement a new brand of verified uh, news sources or trusted news sources rather. And, uh, and let's go ahead and check out this video. So dot dot dot. Hello there, you Awakening Wonders. Obviously it's been an extraordinary and distressing week and I thank you very much for your support and for questioning the information that you've been presented with. By now, you're probably aware that the British government have asked big tech platforms to censor our online content and that some online platforms have complied with that request. What you may not know is that this happens in the context of the Online Safety Bill, which is a piece of UK legislation that grants sweeping surveillance and censorship powers, and it's a law that has already been passed. I also don't imagine you've heard of the Trusted News Initiative. Now, as is often the case when a word like trusted is used as part of an acronym to describe an unelected body, trust is the last thing you should be offering. The Trusted News Initiative is a collaboration between big tech and legacy media organizations to target, control, choke and shut down independent media organizations like this one. We'll be talking about that on our show on Monday on Rumble. But just to give you an idea of what the TNI is, this is a quote from one of their spokespeople. Because the actual real rivalry now is not between the BBC and CNN globally, it's actually between all trusted news providers and digital platforms. It's clear that these organizations collaborate in constructing narratives, whether that's around the war or the pandemic. And of course, there are other examples. And it's very clear to me that we have to be very, very cautious indeed. That's why I'm asking you to follow me on Rumble. Rumble have made a clear commitment to free speech and Rumble is the primary platform that we will be streaming from. We'll be back this Monday. And as usual, we'll be talking about deep state and corporate collusion and how ordinary democracy is anathema now, how it's shut down, ignored and avoided. We'll be talking about a military industrial complex that is able to facilitate and start wars that seem sometimes to be little more than money laundering operations. And that's with all respect to the hundreds of thousands of victims of the numerous ongoing wars in the world at the moment.
We'll be talking about the role of Big Pharma and how Big Pharma have been able to influence government policy around the world and how they've been able to evade due liability and necessary scrutiny, how they've been able to avoid media investigation that perhaps ought to be due them. And of course, we'll be talking about media corruption and censorship. All right. So as you heard it, you know, he's, of course, promoting his shows on alternative sites like uh, Rumble. But the point I wanted to bring across here is that even people with a massive platform, you know, somebody with 6.6 <laughs> it's funny because he's got 6.66 million subscribers right now. Uh, so it's a kind of funny number there. But even somebody with such a large reach, uh, when they start to talk about topics that are off limits or uh, considered, I don't know, dangerous by their government, uh, they are being censored. And uh, it's an infringement on the freedom of speech, uh, especially here in the United States. But we know how closely tied the United States is with Britain and Europe and and a lot of the decisions that are being made there they would love to make here they just seem to be a couple more years advanced and so passed by law prejudice against people like Russell Brand and alternative news sources no longer is it a war between these big name three-letter companies like CNN or NBC or or Fox News right Mm -hmm. now it's a war between traditional media and alternative media and uh what is the the fight over well the fight's over the truth (laughs) and and so uh that brings to mind a couple of these little memes i got here more people would learn from their mistakes if they weren't so busy denying them and uh and part of the reason so many people deny the reality of the world we live in is because There's so much uh, propaganda and agenda being funneled through your TV screen or through your phone that is motivating you to claim you're right when the fact is is that you're just falling in line. And uh, this even applies to, uh, you know, even faith-based organizations, right? One of the greatest downfalls of the modern church is that we've replaced that convicts me with that offends me. Uh, So instead of going to... Uh, work on themselves people are now going to church to get patted on the back uh, to just remain the same and and it's the same thing that we deal with in today's world we have such a a right left paradigm such a a red blue conservative a liberal you know everything is segmented and divided and you get comfortable in the clique that you get sectioned off with and you're unwilling to question your beliefs and and that's to the detriment of your life to your reality um and here's the game that they play you know fact checkers (laughs) uh i want the truth right this is us i want the truth and uh, of course mark zuckerberg and facebook is like independent fact checkers with guidance from the fbi (laughs) have concluded that you can't handle the truth you know, from that uh, movie was A Few Good Men. And it's, uh, people are being determined to be sheep that can't handle the truth. And uh, and so, with assistance and guidance from the FBI, Facebook has concluded they can't handle the truth. And, yep. uh, and, and you know, this is how fact-checking works, right? The game is called Media Fact Checkers. Well, how does it work? I cheat then tell everyone you're a liar. (laughs) So 
thought that was a great breakdown of like uh, kind of a simple way of describing how fact checking is right so you know the game is like a game of chess and the fact checkers are cheating and then somebody's like oh how is this go how are you you know what are you doing here and then they say well i cheat break the rules and then tell everyone you're the liar and that's what they're saying to a lot of people online and including guys like russell brand now uh so let's go ahead and move on to uh some of these other stories all right so uh had just a quick clip here uh, on Epic Times. I'm not going to show the video, but just wanted to bring up that the Biden administration has recently launched a new office aimed at repealing gun rights. The new White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention will be headed by Vice President Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. The White House continues calling on Congress to take action on firearms with the new office. The country is likely to see more debates in the right to bear arms Yet is the office truly focused on gun restriction as a matter of public safety, or is it about something else entirely? Good question. Worth keeping on our radar, I think, though. Mm-hmm. All right, here's an interesting one in the realm of AI, right? Uh, so a North Austin pastor used an AI chatbot to put together his Sunday service. Here's how it went. <laughs> Uh, so he said it was an experiment worth trying. Um, he won't do it again, but I'm sure uh, relying on spiritual guidance from uh, a AI-generated uh, software, uh, AI-generated sermon is uh, probably not the best thing to do. Um, anyway, so as a pastor, he said, I'm always trying to think up creative ways to, I don't know, make worship more engaging. Cooper said he had been looking into AI for months and has a lot of tech people in his congregation. Some of the sermon was funny. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everyone, and welcome to church name, the entry read. <laughs> it was also interesting to hear that the chatbot had to say about itself. We must not let AI lead us to stray from our ethical and moral compass, grounded in faith, Cooper said as he read the AI-generated script. According to Cooper, the script wasn't wrong. I thought this theologically was correct. It even said human connection, then we lost truth. So I thought that was really powerful and beautiful. However, it was pretty dry, right? Uh, so he goes on to say, algorithms spin webs of lies, sang the band. We lift your gaze to the endless sky. Lift your gaze. Service together wasn't as hands-off as he had expected. He had to give ChatGPT a prompt for every part of the service so it would be long enough. Uh, when given only one prompt for a full service, Cooper said it gave about 15 minutes of content. So chat GPT branching into the Protestant Reformation a little bit there. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Mm -hmm. um, and now I know a couple weeks ago we covered how a church in Europe uh, did a similar thing and had the AI generate their whole service. And uh, it's interesting, you know, people are starting to look at AI as a source of uh, tangible truth. And it, you know, it takes little stories like this to build up the uh, corporate trust of AI to the point where people will start looking towards AI for spiritual guidance and whatnot. And, and imagine if we come to the singularity, right? And the thing that all these movies have prophesied to us about and uh, how there very likely could be uh, a possible AI god in the near future 
one that mankind worships and it's a god of our own making right and to yep. me that's uh pretty crazy pretty crazy all right so in this same vein uh the next video i'm going to show you guys is the digital abomination transhumanism and ai religion and the globalist agenda for your future so let's go ahead and check this clip out all right man so that's pretty crazy you know the whole topic of how humanity is moving towards transhumanism which is uh beyond being just normal human right like implanting technology to allow us to connect to the internet to digital devices uh more readily and uh and, and i wonder what your thoughts are on this jeremiah what what do you think uh the timeline is for like somebody to get a cell phone implanted in their head you know I, I, like do you think that could be in the next 10 years or do you think that is uh further off i mean i think it's closer than we think because i mean i don't know if we showed this video i'm pretty sure we did of that lady paying with her wrist uh, did we play that on this show where she paid for her groceries with her wrist there's a chip in her in her hand or something and i mean if they can do that what, what else what, what can't they do i mean they, they can do anything i think they have the technology uh, it's so advanced but they're just not giving it to us yet they're trying to give it to us in little pieces but they, they can already probably do it i guarantee it i mean tesla could do stuff yep. way before his time so that's a good point i guess we'll see yeah i guess we'll see i mean it takes time for them to warm the public opinion up to these scary topics and i think that's what they're really working on now and why we see so many uh agendas and and kind of uh propaganda for the ai stuff uh being spread to the general public is because they're trying to get us ready for the next phase right because maybe yep. you're right maybe they do have all that technology but they don't want people freaking out like you know we're like waving the red flag right but mm. they don't want when they really roll it out for there be to, to be many speed bumps in the road yep it does sound like a science fiction novel though you know it really does and that has to do with history because we're going to be talking about the man who uh who mo who wrote the most sci-fi out of any u.s writer so there's a little clue all right i'm excited <laughs> all right so uh for another uh topic uh so on the ufo realm uh we have this next video and it is uh, dozens of UFO whistleblowers can confirm crash retrieval. So we're going to go ahead and play this clip from Breaking Points that talks a little bit about more UFO whistleblowers and uh, and what's going on in today's uh, sci-fi realized world. Bombshell new report from Michael Schellenberger over at Public, his newsletter. Um, he's done some great reporting on the subject, so I would definitely want to give him credit. Let's please uh, go ahead and put this up there on the screen, and I'm going to read a little bit from his report. Quote, in August, shortly after the U.S. government UFO whistleblower David Grush gave testimony to Congress about crash spacecraft and alien biologics, many observers wonder how much credence to put into his testimony. Grush is just a single individual. The other two individuals were just former Navy pilots. 
But at least 30 whistleblowers working for the federal government or government contractors have given testimony or a protected disclosure to the Office of the Intelligence Community Inspector General, the Defense Inspector General, and to Congress over the last several months, according to multiple sources now interviewed by public. When told, whistleblowers had come forward to share this information. Uh, Even skeptics, the people like Mick West had said, it'd be interesting, more people saying the same thing independently makes it more likely to be true. What they say is that this is all in the backdrop of a very confusing report, Crystal, that came out from the Inspector General that was made on September 15th. In that September 15th letter, the current Inspector General of the Intelligence Community appeared to deny that his office was investigating these claims. He said, quote, that the office has not conducted any audit, inspection, evaluation, review of alleged UAP programs within responsibility authority of the DNI. But the wording, actually, of his response gives him a lot of wiggle room of which this testimony now fits into, which is that the original official taxonomy quote for the ICIG activities include audits, investigations, inspections, and reviews. It is then curious that an investigation is not being denied. So. There's a lot of word salad that this all comes back into, but the very basic is what Schellenberger can report. More than 30 former and or current officials have made classified disclosures to the inspector general of both the DOD, to Congress, and to the <coughs> intelligence community around some of these alleged programs. And some of the details about what's actually happening here, you know, really go into um, some of what Grush has made claims around, both in terms of recovered craft, quote unquote, biologics, in terms of, quote, uh, like kinetic incidents in some cases, you know, between uh, these, uh, between these alleged, you know, uh, how, how do I say it, beings, craft, uh, whatever uh, people are saying. And I think it's just pretty extraordinary. The other one that I definitely want to highlight is this quote, testimony has included both firsthand and secondhand reports of crash retrieval and reverse engineering programs by the United States, Russian, and Chinese governments, the testing of materials obtained from retrieved craft, active and ongoing government disinformation operations, kinetic military action with UAPs, aka a shootdown or a, tri- a tried shootdown, and contact collaboration with, quote, non-human intelligences, and the successful reverse engineering of a triangle-shaped craft with unconventional propulsion. So some more interesting reporting there coming out from Michael Schellenberger. And I, before everybody says, like, show it to me, I agree. Listen, show it to me. I, I want to yeah. see it too. I want to see him come before Congress. But don't forget, we're seeing a major stonewalling right now in Congress. Uh, Congressman Tim Burchett, Anna Polina Luna, they've said we will have another hearing, all of that. That's what they've been granted. But they still have not been given the special compartmentalized access to be given a classified briefing guy, Grush, which it doesn't make any sense to me. I've spoken now with people on the Hill. And I'm like, if you're a normal congressman, like, why is it so hard to just book a special compartmentalized facility to get a briefing? And they're like, well, if it had to do with Iran or something like that, you could get it done easily. But they keep getting denied access. Hmm. And it's all up to the House Intelligence uh, Committee, which apparently doesn't want anything to do with this. Hmm. So there's a whole, there's a lot of crazy stuff that's going on behind the scenes. I mean, it's very, if if this is true and you've got 30 to 50 Mm -hmm. more whistleblowers who are corroborating some aspects of the story, obviously anyone would have to look at that and say that's very interesting. Of course. Is there, Sagar, do we have any expectation of when we'll learn more about what these whistleblowers are saying? Because the information here is very vague Mm -hmm. about what 
pieces of the story they're corroborating, whether it's actual, you know, the, the craft retrieval programs, et cetera, or whether it is uh, wrongdoing within this program, which may not be indicative of anything with regard to extraterrestrial life. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where uh, the disclosure can only come through a in an open forum. And the only open forum that we currently have is Congress. And Congress needs to do more of what they did with Grush. One of the reasons why I love that hearing is, look, it's all under oath. If he lied, I'll be the first one to straight prosecute him, all right? Throw his ass in jail because he wasted my time and he wasted the American people's times. He said all this stuff under oath. Now, let's get to the point of, well, did he lie? Did he not lie? Let's get to the investigation of the inspector general community. And also, in terms of the way that all of these come out, the parsing of the language, they always try and emphasize one thing. There's nothing going on behind the scenes. This is all crap. But they always leave themselves room for no real explicit denial of what's happening. And I just have to recall that when Grush came forward, his claims, I'm not saying they were vetted by the inspector general, but they called them urgent and credible, his allegations that were made. He's now spoken out. He's had did a big documentary with uh, some of the Yes Theory guys. I, I recommend people go and uh, listen to it if you're interested. But what I'm looking for is not just David Grush. I mean, to me, you know, no offense to him. I think he's you know, a courageous man for coming forward, but it's, it's not about him. It's about the claim, whether it's true, and whether there are multiple other people who can corroborate it. So Schellenberger, I mean, was one of the first to also report after Grush came forward about some of what was going on. He's a knowledgeable source, and, and his, his reporting has not been denied you know, by people inside of the intelligence community, by the DOD inspector general. They always fall back on the same thing, like with the BS NASA conference. They're like, we've got no evidence of extraterrestrial life. It's like, yeah, but you're admitting in an open forum, you have no idea what any of this stuff is. Yeah. You have no clue. Right. And it's like, well, yeah, you have no evidence that it is. You got no evidence that it isn't. You just have no evidence, period, because you don't know what the hell is going on. And and look, obviously, I'm, I want to believe. Um, but I'm keeping my skeptics hat on, as everyone saw with the, uh, <laughs> the aliens incident, the bodies. Um, <laughs> On this one, I, I just story. want more people to come forward in a public setting, and ultimately it just comes down to programs like ours educating people so that they can pressure Congress. I mean, one thing that I will say about the public pressure, when I showed up to that UFO hearing, I was stunned. There were, there was only 30 seats for the public, hundreds of people lined up out of the back. The wow. staffers told me they had not seen public participation or enthusiasm for a hearing like that since the freaking Mueller report in 2017. And there's a very different crowd. Some guys that I met there, uh, Birch had even talked about this. One guy flew all the way from Belgium just to attend this hearing. Like people are really interested really in the subject. So yeah, I know. I personally, I wouldn't do it. But uh, <laughs> hey, you know, Belgium's a boring country. No offense. It's, it's very beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Good, uh, good chocolate, yes, right? Good chocolate, good fries, frites, as they call them. There. So Good beautiful. Uh, I, I didn't try the waffle. Uh, didn't have the hot chocolate. It was delicious. Antwerp, by the way, one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to. Shout out to Antwerp. Um, but my point, though, is that immense public pressure and public interest. It's something these politicians. And no offense, I think Burchett is a believer, but the rest of them, they don't care. Okay, they don't care either way. But they see that the public is animated and interested. And so I think it was a big wake-up call for many of the people, at least anecdotally from what I saw when I was in the room, many of the people who were in Congress were stunned at the amount of attention mm. that people were, that they were receiving of just, I mean, they were, Burchett was greeted like a celebrity. He was taking freaking selfies with them. So play a little bit to their vanity, you know, make it politically beneficial to them to push for investigation. And because a lot of the powers that be behind the scenes, like I said, the 
the House Intelligence Community and a committee and others, they're trying to quash this stuff. And so if you show them that it's undeniable and that we have to have more disclosure, more people under oath, and to just talk about it in an open public setting and form and get real yes or no answers to our questions, that's how we uh, move forward and actually have a path to real transparency. All right. So, uh, I mean, it's really interesting that so many witnesses are coming forward all corroborating kind of this government dissemination of uap information and uh jeremiah i wanted to ask you what would you do if a ufo crash landed in like your backyard like what would your you know operation like would you just leave would you go investigate would you call the police would you hide it so you could like you know bring it forward to the mexican government on, at a later period what would you do I would, uh, I would, I wouldn't call the authorities quite yet. I'd probably go outside and I'd, I'd kind of see if anything's moving. And if I saw anything weird, I'd throw a baseball into the into the shed or wherever it crashed. See if it throws it. That's the ET plot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I, I, I would, I would completely like not tell anybody and see if there's any life aboard or, you know, what's going on in there. And then once I've seeing what it is i would probably you know tell my girlfriend tell my family tell everybody and then i would call the authorities yeah. and i would take documented proof so that way they can't call me a liar we kind of had a uh, a ufo that i think we showed on a previous episode that uh we uh, we both went outside and went down the block because it just landed just down the street from my house and we investigated it Still don't know where it went. We should have put one of those air tags on it. Nice. Yeah, I remember you guys talking about that. It was like a crashed satellite balloon or something, right? Yeah, it was like a like a parachute with a camera on it. But I think they were trying to make it a drone. But it was just weird. And and that I, w I had just backed that. It was on my dash cam. So that that's where the footage comes from. It's from my dash cam, and I didn't even notice it till about halfway down and just. It just and crashed, and I was like, wow. "What was that?" <laughs> no sparks or anything. No, no alien life. I went and I detected. So that's probably what I'd do. I'd probably run inside and be like, "Hey, something crashed. Something crashed. Come on, let's go check it out." And I bring my cat instead of a dog. Yeah, you know? I would try to get proof. You know, I tried to get as much proof, videos, pictures. I tried to get pieces of it and go and like bury it somewhere, and then, you know, I would start to tell people what had happened so that whenever the you know the men in the black suits show up they can be like all right give us everything that you found and and i'll always have you know proof hidden away that i can you know make sure people know i'm not crazy because that's what happened to guys like bob lazar right they eyewitnessed all of these crazy ufo things but they never they didn't have any physical proof or pictures or anything they just had their word to go off of and that's a really hard place to go when you really want to tell people something crazy just happened to you yeah they'd probably kidnap your kids as a ransom yep the government is a uh, yeah government is kind of a mob that's true yeah you got to be careful when it comes to this kind of stuff or we just expose it on well, skiba uh, news nation and we're like hey guys this is what we saw so if anything happens to us you know you guys see it first no yeah yeah, and then we call the authorities. And then next day, YouTube's like, channel has been removed due to content violation. <laughs> of course. Oh, man. 
so this next video I wanted to share is a clip of Nancy Pelosi exposed for blatantly lying about January 6th. So uh, go ahead and uh, let's check this video out here. And I briefed all of the leadership of the plans to get them back into chambers. That would have been call number three with Speaker Pelosi. So you didn't have one call, you didn't have two calls, you had three calls. So Speaker Pelosi's comments that she didn't speak to you are inaccurate. That is correct, sir. Today we're here to discuss the security failures that occurred on January 6, 2021, and how we can prevent these failures from occurring again. I want to dive into the questions, uh, Chief Sun. In your transcribed interview, you mentioned that you met with the House Sergeant at Arms regarding the National Guard prior to January 6th. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And who was the House Sergeant at Arms uh, leading up to and on January 6th? Uh, that would be Paul Irving. And the, the House Sergeant at Arms is appointed by who? I was appointed uh, that, at that time by Speaker Pelosi. And in your transcribed interview, you mentioned that when you first brought up the National Guard to the House Sergeant at Arms in the days leading up to January 6th, uh, that Mr. Irving said he, quote, didn't like the optics, end quote. Is, is that correct? That, that is correct. He, uh, he referenced being concerned for optics. And on January 6th, when you went to Mr. Irving to get his approval to call in the Guard, Mr. Irving said he would, quote, run it up the chain. Is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. That was a telephone call. I didn't see him in person when I first made that request. The House Sergeant at Arms is considered probably the most senior security official on the House side. Uh, when Mr. Irving says yes to, quote, run it up the chain, end quote, what did that mean? Uh, I took that to mean his leadership chain. And, and who would be his leadership chain? It would if be he's, he's, he's functionally the most senior uh, security official on the House side, correct? That's his, that's his title. That's part of the title, the senior uh, law enforcement official for the House of Representatives. But he would have been referring to the leadership team that goes up to uh, Speaker Pelosi. So the, the political leadership team, meaning, meaning elected officials, not, not another security official, is that your that, that is correct, sir. He's the top security official for the House. So running up the chain would most likely, in, or in your opinion, is, is through the Speaker's office and possibly to Speaker Pelosi? That would be where it ends, yes. Okay, so, so let, let's park that there and then let's jump to a, a second set here. Um, in a press conference on January 7th, Speaker Pelosi called for your resignation on national television. Speaker Pelosi also stated that she had not talked to you since the initial breach of the Capitol. But according to your transcribed interview, you were on the phone with Speaker Pelosi a few times. Uh, can you explain that discrepancy? Yeah, that is, uh, that, that is correct. I, I spoke to Speaker Pelosi um, three times uh, that, that evening. And uh, she went on national TV and said I'd never spoken to her. But I spoke to her three times. Um, the three, uh, three times were the first time when I went over to brief uh, President, uh, Vice President Pence at the secure location. Um, I had called uh, um, House Sergeant Arms Irving, told him I was going over to brief the uh, Vice President. I was also going over to do a personal assessment of the Capitol. At that point, things were getting under control. Uh, went over there, briefed him on when we can get them back into chambers with you know, uh, Mr. Irving being fully aware. Uh, he said he wanted to get Speaker Pelosi on the phone. He made a phone call from his cell phone at approximately 534, uh, where I first briefed Speaker Pelosi. Uh, the second call was when I left that location. As I was walking away, I met up with Mr. Stinger, and we started walking over to the Senate to go brief the Senate. When uh, Jennifer Hemingway, I believe it was Jennifer Hemingway, handed me the cell phone, and it was Emily Barrett's cell phone calling her, and it was Speaker Pelosi on the other line. This is my call, second call with Speaker Pelosi. Questioning the information I'd given to uh, Vice President Pence about when we can get back into chambers. I assured her that information was correct. I could get them back into chambers by 7, uh, 7 p.m. 
and the call ended. That was call number two. Call number three was 6.25 p.m. I was over at the Senate uh, from the secure location, I mean, from where the Senate had been sequestered, uh, and on a uh, cell phone using Robert Karam's cell phone, they dialed leadership, who was over off-site at a secure location, and I briefed all of the leadership of the plans to get them back into chambers. That would have been call number three with Speaker Pelosi. So you didn't have one call, you didn't have two calls, you had three calls. So Speaker Pelosi's comments that she didn't speak to you are inaccurate. That is correct, sir. Let me, let me shift gears and go back uh, as it relates to the optics of bringing people up to Capitol Hill and, and running things up the chain of command, ultimately to the Speaker's office. Do you think Speaker Pelosi's office uh, or Speaker Pelosi herself um, politicized capital security? Um, I, I, have, I, have no, I have no idea on that, sir. Okay. Uh, any other clarifications you'd like to make as it relates to Speaker Pelosi's comments that you didn't speak to her? Um, I just, you know, wish she had considered that, wish she had considered some of the stuff that I've faced and the efforts I went through uh, to bring in the outside resources uh, on that day before she called for my resignation. Thank you very much uh, for being here. I yield back. All right. So as always, that is kind of interesting. You know, there was such a use of the January 6th headlines, all kinds of just partisanism and anti-Trumpism and really a lot of the things that surround this topic of January 6th uh, raise a lot of red flags. Um, it was not what they were claiming it to be. I mean, BLM protests were more violent than what actually happened at the Capitol. And the woman who was shot, uh, she should Ashley have Babbitt. shot. I mean, yeah. You know, you she know, wasn't the one that broke the window. She was just in the line of fire. Her name's Ashley yeah. Babbitt, and I, I feel like they need to look into that. I mean, they, they always talk about police police officers dying, but no no officer died. The, the guy that died was of a heart attack, and he was actually a Trump supporter. So it's like, it, it doesn't make any sense. And this is the thing that drives me crazy about Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi just so happened to have a film crew with her during the Jan 6 episode. And you know oh, who is so filming happened. it? Yeah, her daughter. Her daughter filmed the whole thing with the documentary crew. It's so insane. And we're supposed to believe that. Wow. She's crazy. Yeah, I mean, just just what we found out about members of the government being there inciting the riot, members of uh, protesters that were incognito, that weren't actually Trump supporters, that were there just to, to push people over the edge and encourage them to break the law. Um, I mean, whenever you look at the whole use case of this to try to come after Trump legally, uh, it's insanity, man. It, it really mm -hmm. is. And it just shows how much of a distraction the January 6th topic was uh, when it was, uh, you know, being used to cover up a whole lot of other corruption and topics that were, you know, every time a, a big important news story comes out, it's always back to January 6th. <laughs> um, but now we're seeing, now that Jacob Chansley, like the QAnon shaman, mm -hmm. uh, he got out of prison. Um, we're seeing, uh, you know, interviews with him. Uh, all I would, I would love and to have him on the show. Let's reach out to him. All right, man. Uh, that would be that would be one heck of an episode. Yeah, I would. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and check out this next video. And uh, this, of course, goes in with what Jeremiah shared with us during his segment last week. And uh, guess what? The CDC is making some disturbing 
Vax Moves. Check this out. Good evening, and right before we dive in, I'll quickly mention that finally, over the weekend, we had the world premiere of an awesome documentary called No Farmers, No Food, in which we exposed how Agenda 21, which trickles down from the UN, manifests itself as concrete policies across the whole world, handcuffing farmers, forcing them out of business, while at the same time propping up a new industry of edible insects. We spent quite literally a whole year traveling the whole world to make this particular film, and I'm super glad to report to you that the film was very well received. We got about a minute-long standing ovation with many of the farmers and ranchers in attendance saying that they're going to bring the film back to their local communities in order to help it spread far and wide. And so, if you'd like to check the film out for yourself, the link to it will be right there at the very, very, very top of the description box below. I hope you watch it, and I also hope that you share it with anyone in your life who you think really needs to know about what's happening behind the scenes in this world. Again, that link will be right there at the top of the description box below. Now, jumping into today's main topic, for some odd reason, the CDC is just refusing to release the most recent updated data on the number of heart inflammation cases. You see, even though it was treated as essentially a conspiracy theory at first, it's already been a known fact for quite a while now that the COVID can cause heart inflammation in the form of either myocarditis or pericarditis. Now, generally, you can find the most updated number of heart inflammation cases over in the VARA system. And in case you haven't heard of it before, the VARA system is a database that's jointly run by the FDA and the CDC, and it tracks the number of adverse reactions to the just the COVID and although technically anyone can submit the reports into the VAERS system, if you dig through the research, you find that most of the reports are entered by healthcare providers. Usually it's a nurse or a doctor whose patient experiences some type of adverse reaction after getting a shot. And there are also safeguards in place such that if people submit fake information into the VAERS system, they can face actual criminal prosecution. Now that's all to say that the VAERS system while not being 100% perfect, is relatively reliable. And typically, when the CDC would have a meeting with their regarding whether or not to release an updated version recommended to Americans, they would present the numbers found in the VAERS system to their advisors so that they can make an educated decision. The CDC would typically show the number of myocarditis cases that were found in the VAERS system when meeting with their vaccine advisory panel. However, something interesting happened in their most recent meeting, which took place on September the 12th, about two weeks ago. The CDC, in that meeting, made no mention of the VAERS data. You heard that right. Two weeks ago, CDC officials met with the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, which is essentially the advisory panel. In fact, according to the CDC website, here is how they describe the Advisory Committee. Quote, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices includes 15 voting members responsible for making and the purpose of this meeting between the advisory committee and the CDC was to help these advisors in considering which groups of people here in America should be recommended to get the latest formulation of the that was recently approved. And so basically, the CDC was here in this meeting in order to give the advisors the latest data that was available, as well as to answer any of their possible questions before the advisors turn around and give their recommendations in terms of who should be getting the shot or not. But as I mentioned earlier, during the CDC's presentation, well, they changed it up a little bit from their previous presentations. What happened was that Dr. Nicola Klein, who was presenting on behalf of the CDC, she was showing the advisors data, not from the VAERS system, but rather, she was showing them the data safety data link system, which is a totally separate monitoring system, which covers a much smaller population than VAERS does. Furthermore, the data that she presented was relatively old 
Quote, Dr. Klein said that just two cases of myocarditis after bivalent in the Adelink through March 11th. The cases didn't trigger a safety signal among adults. Now, it is a little odd that they only chose to show data going up until March 11th, but setting that aside, the CDC presentation showed that there were just two cases of myocarditis following a bivalent vaccination. That's again, according to the Vaccine Safety Data Link system. However, if you were to look into the actual VAERS system, which just for your reference, anyone in America can do, it's a searchable database that's available to the public, and if you search it for the number of heart inflammation cases following a bivalent you get 98. 98 cases of myocarditis, pericarditis, or myopericarditis. 98 cases in the VAERS system, rather than the two cases that the CDC reported finding in the data link system. Now again, it's worth mentioning that since technically anyone can post in the VAERS system, those are not 98 confirmed cases. They're 98 reported cases. However, up until September, the CDC would report that number to the advisory committee, except this time they decided to not do that for some reason. It's not exactly clear why the CDC chose to go this route. And so we hear at the Epic Times, we reached out to the CDC in order to get the data, but they sent back to us something you could say was a bit surprising. A CDC spokesperson, they emailed us back saying that if we're interested in the data, we can check out this study right here. This is the study that they sent to us. You can see it up on screen for yourself, which is cool, except for the fact that the study that they sent to us only covers the data from August 31st up until October 23rd of last year, of 2022. That study, it only covered about a month and a half worth of data, and it's literally a year old. Now, just for your reference, that particular study, it was looking at the effects following with the updated bivalent formulation. That formulation, it began to be used widely in September, and the study runs until October 23rd, meaning it's about a month and a half following the use of the bivalent booster. And in the study, the study that the CDC sent to us, they identified nine reports of either myocarditis or pericarditis with one of these bivalent And out of those nine reports, seven were verified by medical review. And this is exactly where things stop adding up. Because think about it. In the presentation just earlier this month, the CDC spokesperson told the advisory body that according to the safety data link system, there were, quote, two cases of myocarditis after bivalent through March 11th. Two cases according to the data link system. However, when we asked the CDC for confirmation, they sent us a study showing that just in the month of September and essentially half of October, there were nine cases of myocarditis with seven of them being verified by medical review. That data came from the VAERS system. And so it makes you wonder, why would they present the number as being just two as of March 11th, when according to their own study, by October 23rd of last year, the number was already at least seven? And you would imagine that the number didn't remain just seven from October all the way up to March. And so we here at the Epic Times, we asked the CDC spokesman to send us more recent data to which he interestingly responded by acknowledging that the CDC does have the data, but they're just not making it public yet, writing this in an email, quote, when appropriate, the updated safety data will be published. Thank you very much for that. Regardless, that's what happened. According to the CDC's own analysis of the VAERS data, there were a minimum of seven medically verified cases as of October 23rd of last year. However, what they chose to present to the advisory body is just two cases in a separate database that was significantly smaller. Regardless, circling back to that CDC meeting, besides Dr. Klein, there was another CDC official, Dr. Megan Wallace, who said the following, quote, there are limited data to inform the myocarditis risk following an updated mRNA dose. Now, notably, she did not mention the cases reported to VAERS, 
but she still did make the point that the benefits of the vaccines outweigh any potential risks. And frankly, that seemed to be enough because the vaccine advisory panel, they went ahead and they recommended the updated formulation of the COVID vaccine to virtually all Americans. And that decision of theirs was nearly unanimous with Dr. Oliver Brooks, who is a member panel saying this after the presentation that was given by the CDC, quote, we feel good about the fact that in the bivalent, we saw no signal for myocarditis. On the flip side, however, you had one lone member of the advisory panel who voted against the recommendation. This was Dr. Pablo Sanchez and citing the risk of myocarditis, he said the following, quote, I think we really need to level with our patients and say what is known and unknown rather than make a complete recommendation, especially for some groups that are limited data. Regardless of his dissenting opinion, though, the advisory panel voted 13 to 1 in favor of recommending the updated formulation to almost everyone six months and older. In fact, according to the recommendation, quote, people who have not received a COVID-19 past two months should receive one of the new shots. And so there you have it. And I should mention this is in no way medical advice, and I'm in no way advocating for or against any possible medical intervention. I'm only reporting on the facts surrounding the meeting between the CDC and the panel, which took place two weeks ago on September the 12th, and regarding the information that was and was not presented during that meeting. All right, so, uh, you know, it's always good to just be aware, you know, and it's, it's crazy. Um, check out this uh, quick article here. It says that breastfeeding mothers are passing mRNA from COVID shots onto their infants. And Whoa. this is a new study from The Lancet and shows that nursing mothers do pass mRNA from vaccines to their infants through breast milk. And the finding contradicts what many news outlets and other studies have claimed previously. And so whenever you think about how this new iteration of, vac of vax technology that they're really pushing heavily, mRNA technology, uh, and we don't know the long-term repercussions of this on the human health you know, right. And so uh, it's just like we need to be aware that this is an ongoing problem. And as we enter into the, the fall and winter months, uh, you know, apparently COVID's rising again. And, you know, they're they're re ready to dole out the next uh, pharmaceutical, you know, magic cure. Uh, so I just wanted to share these quick few memes here regarding this topic. The government in 2021. Now, uh, I'm going to have to do my Schmeagle voice. No, dude, that was uh, that was not Smeagol. All right, hey, Jeremiah, can you do Smeagol? I I can't. I don't know if I've ever seen it. My my precious, my uh, my uh, takes the shots or we fire you. Stop! I I feel like I sound like Yoda or something. <laughs> I'm trying to get my accent right. Uh, Lisa, Lisa. No, no. What is that I'm doing? No, that's Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. That's racist. Oh <laughs> okay. All right. Let's. Uh... Takes the shots or we fire you. <laughs> Dude, I can't remember the Smeagol voice. I feel so bad. Then he say like, take the shot. My precious. What that? My precious. My precious. Take the shot or we will fire you. Starve you, take your children, put you in camps, and leave you to die without medical treatment. Uh, government then and in 2023. Nobody's forced you to take the. I'm back to Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> Nobody forced you to take the shot. Oh, how how terrible, my dude, my my uh, 
accent maker broke today, I guess. I apologize, everyone. But you get the point. You know, you get to read the... No apologies <laughs> needed. It, that was entertainment right there at its finest, I must say. <laughs> you attempted, right, and that's what matters. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, here's, uh, you know, you could see, obviously, what these pinpricks are representing. Uh, 1962, this is how many pinpricks. Uh, 1983. And then in 2019... And then, you know, considering what they've rolled out recently, imagine, you know, what it would look like. Oh, man. Uh, here's Jim Jones. Oh, no. I got 900 people to drink my Kool-Aid. And then here's uh, old Fauci. Child's play. Ha, ha, ha. All right. You, uh, you know, it was yeah. actually Flavor-Aid, right? A lot of people. Flavor-Aid? Yeah, it's, a, it's a, like a knockoff brand. And... And I always see that Kool-Aid in it, and it, probably because I have autism, and it, and it drives me crazy little things like that. But it was Flavor-Aid, wow. and everybody says, drink the Kool-Aid. And I'm like, okay, at least it's not Flavor-Aid, you know? But at I was about to make a T-shirt. I was going to make a T-shirt that said, that had a cartoon Fauci, and it said, world's best serial killer. <laughs> but Opa told me not to. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. You had to put allegedly in quotes or something. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, and last one. Here's somebody who, uh, I guess it's plantbasedmamas.org shipping out something. And, and to spread the word, uh, she writes onto her package, I'm just a mom waiting for other moms to question how eight shots at once is okay when babies can only try one food at a time. <laughs> and, uh, oh, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this picture of the pin needle shots is like, the, the protocol for you know childhood bees yep. so and you know and now they're having you know six months and up are able to get boosters for the COVID-19 stuff I mean it's insanity man it's insanity get boosters uh, for your boosters and your boosters for those boosters it's a never-ending cycle well Jeremiah that's all the news for this week uh hope you guys enjoyed and uh, you know, it's it's great to report the news from out here in the wilderness. I, I'm just having such a good time. Man, it looks like a good time in there. Really. I wish I could go camping. I love camping, but next year. Anyways. Next time. Yep. Thanks, Jake, for another great current news as always. And now a quick look at my mom's book, The Protocol That Kills. Kingsgate Media and Skiba News Nation present an exhaustive expose on government. The new amazing book, The Emotional and Disturbing True Story. Sheila Skiba. Following Rob Skiba's death, his widow, Sheila, and co-authors spent countless hours analyzing 40 days of recorded conversations, the transcripts of which appear in the book. This is an extremely well-written first-hand account of the horrors Sheila Skiba endured for the 40 days her husband was held captive in the hospital. It was hard to read and relive since I vividly remember when this was happening to this precious man. But I believe every person needs to know what was going on during the insanity of the pandemic. Sheila Skiba, the protocol that kills a true crime story. This book shares a wealth of critical insights that will greatly aid in preventing future needless losses of life. Available on Amazon. Order now. Find more at theprotocolthatkills.com. Well, it's about that time for an all-new Opus Corner. Take it away, Opa. That was a terrible German accent. <laughs> The it's following contagious. presentation may contain too many cat jokes. Viewer discretion is advised.
This presentation is rated CJ, Cat Jokes, Parental Guidance Suggested. Opa's Corner Time, so let's get started. A young Mexican man named Jose was curious about America, so he saved his money and went on a trip. He wanted to go see a baseball game so that when he went home, he could tell his family all about it. When he got there, the game was sold out, so he decided to climb to the top of a flagpole to get a better look. When he returned home, his family was anxious to hear about his experience. What happened? asked his family. Well, America is the nicest place in the world. Before the game started, all the people in the stands and all the players stood up, looked at me and shouted to me, Jose, can you see? <laughs> It's about a Spanish guy. A Texan is in London for business and decides he'd like to see the sights before he leaves. So he jumps into a taxi to show him around. They drive past Big Ben and the taxi driver notes it took 15 years to build. The Texan scoffs at this. You Brits are so slow. We'd build something twice the size and half the time. Next, they swing by the Tower Bridge. Again, the driver comments that this impressive landmark was completed in only eight years. And again, the Texan scoffs. That bridge is tiny. In Texas, we would have built a much larger bridge in just a year or two. A little further on, they drive past Buckingham Palace but the taxi driver doesn't comment on it. The Texan is puzzled and asks, What's that then? I suppose that must have taken you a hundred years to build? The taxi driver just shakes his head. Sorry, mate. Not sure what that one is. Wasn't here yesterday. <laughs> a few decades ago, Three prisoners were sitting in a Soviet gulag. One of them asks the other two, So, what did you do to be put in here? The first one answers, Well, I arrived late at the factory, and so they accused me of slowing down the revolution and the victory of the proletariat. The second one answers, Well, I arrived early at the factory, and so they accused me of trying to show up my comrades. And then they turned to the one who asked the question, How about you then? Well, I arrived at the factory right on time, so they accused me of having a watch from the West. <laughs> 
A long time ago, a wealthy man was having an affair with an Italian woman. One night, during one of their rendezvous, she confided in him that she was pregnant. Not wanting to ruin his reputation or his marriage, he paid her a large sum of money if she would go to Italy to have the child. If she stayed in Italy, he would also provide child support until the child turned 18. She agreed, though she wondered how he would know when the baby was born. To keep it discreet, he told her to mail him a postcard and write spaghetti on the back. He would then arrange for the child support. About nine months later, he came home to his confused wife. Honey, you received a strange postcard today. Oh, just give it to me and I'll explain it later. The wife handed the card over and watched as her husband read the card, then promptly turned white and fainted. Alarmed, she picked up the card on the floor and read it aloud. Spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti. Two with meatballs, one without. <laughs> Two Jewish men knocked on Rabbi Levi's door. What can I do for you, gentlemen? They explained to him that they have an argument and cannot resolve it. The rabbi agrees to help them. What's this argument about? Black is a color. No, it is not. Is it a color? Rabbi, is black a color? Well, sure. See, I told you. And so is white. White is not a color. Rabbi, well, yes, white is a color. See, I told you. I sold you a color TV. <laughs> <laughs> Our teacher asked what my favorite animal was, and I said, fried chicken. She said it wasn't funny, but she couldn't have been right because everyone else laughed. My parents told me to always tell the truth. I did. Fried chicken is my favorite animal. I told my dad what happened, and he said that the teacher was probably a member of PETA. He said they love animals very much. I do too, especially chicken, pork, and beef. Anyway, my teacher sent me to the principal's office. I told him what had happened and he laughed too. Then he told me not to do it again. The next day in class, my teacher asked me what my favorite live animal was. I told her it was chicken. She asked me why. So I told her it was because you could make them into fried chicken. She sent me back to the principal's office. He laughed and told me not to do it again. I don't understand. My parents taught me to be honest, but my teacher doesn't like it when I am. Today, my teacher asked me to tell her what famous person I admired the most. I told her, Colonel Sanders. 
guess where I am now? <laughs> An elderly couple returned to a Mercedes dealership to find the salesman had just sold the car they were interested in to a beautiful young blonde. I thought you said you'd hold that car until we raised $75,000 asking price. Yet I just heard you close the deal for $65,000 to that young lady there. You insisted there could be no discount on this model. Well, what can I tell you? She had ready cash. Just look at her. How could I resist? Just then, the young woman approached the old folks and handed them the keys. There you go. I told you I could get this joker to drop the price. See you later, Grandpa. <laughs> and now for the funnies. <laughs> Pape R. Towel, mediator. I suggest just going with irrevocable differences. <laughs> I had heard the traps on this course were brutal, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> Frankie, Frankie, stuck up in a tree. S-I-T-T-I-N-G. Can't get down, nothing sadder. Have to call the humans with a big old ladder. <laughs> okay, sir, I'm satisfied. You can get back on your car. Now you can skeletonize an entire cow in not three, not two, but in one minute. Yes, I said one minute with the new Wonder Jaw. It's easy, it's fast. And if you order now, here's what else you'll get. <laughs> Go ahead, please. You're on the air. Click. I get rid of a lot of phone calls that way. <laughs> That's a good idea. Cat beds. <laughs> Recent consumer research has helped us fine-tune our product offering. <laughs> oh, my God. What are you looking for, Opal? Hidden cameras and recording devices? What? You think our home is bugged? I know it is. This darn cartoonist has been putting us in his comic strip every day. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that one's reserved for the Brits. Hell. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. <laughs> to do. Nap. 
find Sunbeam. Nap. Eat. Harass dog. Sleep. <laughs> that seems like a lot. <laughs> when doctors get shipwrecked. Yeah, I can't read it either. I guess let's keep going. <laughs> I wonder if he knows he's walking backwards. I wonder if she knows my collar's around my ass. <laughs> hmm, there's something missing, Watson. No sheets. Sherlock. <laughs> I get it. Scene from Fiddle Attraction. <laughs> As you ordered, sir, we had the prisoner drawn and quartered. Now what? <laughs> Don't you understand? I was snuggling with the human, and he moved a little bit. Isn't that messed up? Sorry, that is not offensive in my culture. <laughs> Oreo Speedwagon. Then I can't fight this feeling. <laughs> Old man costume. <laughs> TV repair. Well, here's your problem, Mr. Schuler. <laughs> Sleep study. Okay, now just sleep normally. <laughs> Unbeknownst to most historians, Einstein started down the road of professional basketball before an ankle injury diverted him into science. <laughs> Hello? Hello? This is God. Who's this? Uh, this is Ernie Miller, sir. Ernie who? Is this 555-1728? No, sir. This is 555-1782. Sorry. Click. And for the rest of his life, Ernie told his friends that he had talked with God. <laughs> Danger! Vegetarian piranha! <laughs> that Rottweiler is looking at us funny! You got a problem, buddy? 
Let's destroy his ankles. Hanging out with Jack Russell Terriers was a mistake. <laughs> Her dust in the wind is always off key. And she forgot the words to carry on Wayward Son. We need a new lead singer. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> like the vans. I knew it. I just knew it. Shaving a haircut was a lousy secret knock. <laughs> <laughs> Museum of Odors. Flowers and plants. <coughs> New tennis ball. All things nasty and disgusting. <laughs> it's worth the wait. <laughs> it took Ralph six minutes to realize the balloon wasn't going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like Garfield. Kind Why can't cats play poker in the jungle? Too many cheetahs. <laughs> the Star Trek episode when the Enterprise went back in time and made first contact with the alien species that would rule the earth. <laughs> Is that a real episode? And that's another <laughs> Opa's Corner. My Hut, der hat drei Ecken. Drei Ecken hat mein Hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken. Das ist es nicht mein Hut. Opa's Corner is now available on my own YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe. Thank you, Opa, for another great Opa's Corner. Uh, can, can I ask yeah. you something about the potato head thing? So, to my understanding, the original potato heads just came with eyes, ears, and all that, and you put it on a real potato. Is that true? That's right. That's crazy. Matter of fact, that's what I had when I was a kid. Really? That's funny. Oh, wow. Anyways, now a word from our good friend JJ. And before we play the clip, he's having his grand opening this Friday at his storefront. So I just wanted to throw that out there. If, if you guys are out that way, maybe go and, and show your support. And we're going to be, we should probably do a meet and greet, he was saying, uh, or a meetup with uh, fellow bears and, and Skiba News Nation. So we'll talk later about that anyways. So uh, now a word from our friend JJ. Are you tired of living in constant pain? Do you feel like you've tried every CBD product on the market with no relief? Look no further than JJ's Natural CBD Rub. When I was diagnosed with degenerative disc disease, this was the only product that completely took my pain away. Working with JJ has been a dream come true, and his products have completely changed my life. Don't just take my word for it. Visit JJ's website, jjcbdrub.com and read hundreds of testimonials from people whose lives have been changed by all of JJ's amazing products. 
And now, as a Skiba News Nation exclusive, you can get $50 off a three-pack special of JJ's Natural CBD Rub by texting CBD to 920-382-7720. Don't suffer in silence any longer. Take control of your pain today with JJ's Natural CBD Rub. Again, text CBD to 920-382-7720 for an exclusive discount and start feeling the relief you deserve. The links are in the description below. Thank you as always, JJ. Well, now it's time for some history. So today I got my deep dive helmet because we're gonna be doing a deep dive into L. Ron Hubbard and how he created a cult, uh, I, I mean a religion. And uh, so let me give you a little backstory. So play that first clip. So you're L. Ron Hubbard. It's 1950, and you just resigned from your position in the Navy. During your time in the Navy, you claim that you saved your ship from Japanese submarines, that you destroyed the subs so thoroughly there was nothing left for them to find. You would go on telling everyone about how you received a Purple Heart and other medals for your service. In reality, US Navy investigators concluded that there were never such Japanese subs. In reality, it was just stolen valor. And now that you're out of the military, you go on to look for your next path to greatness. It's around this time that you decide to use your creativity. You are a science fiction writer, so you decide to submit an article to the Astounding Science Fiction magazine. The article was called Dianetics, a new science of the mind. Later that year, you extend the article into a full-length book, and it blows up. You originally wrote Dianetics as a pop psychology book that could help people improve their daily lives, providing techniques that could take away pain, stress, and sickness, and help develop their intelligence and memory. But plans change when you're hit with a brilliant idea. There's a lot of power in telling people how to fix their lives. It makes them want to give everything they have to you. It's almost a borderline religion. So what if you could take your book and turn it into a full-blown religion? A religion that sees you as a prophet, so you get all the attention and praise that you so desperately need, and gets you the money you need. Because after all, when you're promising people eternal afterlife salvation, the parting of a few thousand dollars is a no-brainer. That makes religion the ultimate business model if you think about it. You have the secret to carry anyone anywhere of their problems. All they have to do to get the answers is pay. And they're happy to pay. And the only way they get to find out if you're telling the truth or not is to die. You can keep them going down this path of enlightenment for decades without ever providing any real proof. And you'll be getting money every step of the way. Since it's a religion, no one can question your actions as immoral or wrong because it's just a part of our religious beliefs. The outside world wouldn't understand. The thing is that they, they do like, the organization does like to be put in the same sentences as, as other, you know, real churches. So that's actually a good thing because they use that as like, look, you know, we get made fun of just like everybody else. Like, you know, we're a real religion, so respect us as a real religion. And best of all, while other corporations are stuck giving away 20, 30% of their money to the tax man, you'll never have to pay a single dime of your billions to taxes. Religious organizations and churches are tax exempt in the U.S. It could be the greatest con that's ever been practiced on the public. That's why in 1953, what started as an article in a science fiction novel turned into the Church of Scientology, and it promised to make a positive difference in the galaxy. But when you pull back the curtain, it sheds light on something much more sinister. A multifaceted transnational corporation that has religion as only one of its many components. A business that decades later would be embroiled in murders, worker exploitation, harassment and intimidation, and much more. This is the business of Scientology. Let's get my relationship to this completely straight. So on. I am the writer of the textbooks of Scientology. 
In order to create a religion, you have to first understand the purpose of religion. Why do we need it? Why did it come about? Well, a long time ago, humans were left with a very important question. How do I carry myself in this world so that I survive? So whatever religion you create, a big part of it is giving people a sense of purpose, a sense of direction as to how to live their lives, the salvation they're going to get by following your rules, and the eternal suffering they'll receive if otherwise. So let's look at how Scientology approached this. The term Scientology means the study of truth. It's influenced by elements of several Western philosophies, like Christianity, along with Buddhism, Hinduism, combined with some practices from cognitive behavioral therapy. Even though L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology denounced all those things as complete BS. But that's what you want to do when you start a new religion. We already know religions like Christianity and Buddhism have a track record of working for thousands of years. So don't be arrogant, we gotta respect the giants that came before us, and why would you want to reinvent the wheel? Borrow their stories, borrow their lessons, borrow their strategies and tactics, and then just repackage it, rebrand it, make it feel like a new thing, a new opportunity. Give them something new to be excited about. When in reality, you and I both know that you just repackaged a bunch of old stuff. The only thing that matters is that you make people feel that they have a purpose, that they're happy, that they're going to a better place after this life. If you achieve that, it's all fair game. Here's how Scientology approached their messaging. Scientology urges that we're not actually our body or our mind. Our bodies are just vessels fairly reasonable, that we're actually just spirits that occupy our current bodies, and that we go on to exist for many lifetimes. The whole purpose of being here is to advance you as a spiritual being and to make your dreams come true. Training or processing. The basic tenets of their belief is that man is an immortal spiritual being, your experience extends beyond a single lifetime, and that your capabilities are unlimited, even if not presently realized. Doesn't that just make you feel inspired by just hearing that? Scientology says the main pain and struggles from our past lifetimes don't just go away when we die, and they can be seriously holding us back in this lifetime. That's where Scientology can help. The negative stimuli from our past lives are called engrams. And to clear engrams, we conveniently have a series of processes that are meant to clear them out. Once you're free of all this negativity, you're open to reaching your full potential in this lifetime, whatever that means to you. As a religion maker, you create the problem and you conveniently offer the solution, paywalled behind a donation. You know, the downside of our Western societies is that we have so much freedom, so much hyper-individualism that we're left feeling that we don't know what our purpose is anymore. We don't have a unified collective goal to fight for. So you want to offer that unified collective goal with your religion. Scientologists believe that they're on a crusade to save the entire planet or even the entire galaxy. The Scientology's skills and knowledge are the only things keeping it all together. I think it's a privilege to call yourself a Scientologist, and it's something that you have to earn. And because a Scientologist does, he or she has the ability to create new and better realities and improve conditions. Uh, being a Scientologist, you look at someone and you know absolutely that you can help them. On their website, Scientology says the one thing that sets them apart from other religions is proof. That you can simply apply the principles of Scientology to your life and witness the results unfold. When in reality, the principles they expound probably come from the psychology and personal development world, so of course they're gonna work. And they've done very well for themselves. The church claims that there are over 11,000 Scientology churches, missions, and affiliate groups in 167 nations across the world, 4x more than where they were 10 years ago. However, many sources agree that this number is grossly over-exaggerated, and that many think that Scientology membership has been steadily decreasing since the 90s. Whether or not they're getting more new members, one thing that continues to grow is Scientology's bank accounts. The church's estimated revenue is around half a billion dollars every single year. Tom Cruise alone has given approximately $25 million to Scientology. So how does it all work? So let's discuss some of the facts. So L. Ron Hubbard lied about his time in the military slash Navy 
which is stolen valor, which is against the law, and it should be. Uh, he wrote a book called Dianetics. We all know that. But how did Elrond create a religion? Cult. Uh, one, he created a name, and to have you know a good name, you have to have a meaning behind it. So he said Scientology, and it means the study of truth, right? So then you combine several religions like Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, and therapy, which is something that they're really against, which is kind of ironic. And then you steal everything from those religions and then you just make it your own, which is so crazy that he was able to do this and, and people bought it and, it and it's sad for those people. So in this next clip, we're going to be talking about the business of Scientology. So check out this clip. Scientology has become a well-oiled machine, pulling in new members and keeping them loyal to the church. There are generations of families that have grown up in Scientology, with 70 Scientology buildings all over the world. Here's how the business operates. L. Ron Hubbard has written an absurd amount of books. He's actually published more books than any other author in the US, 1,084 to be exact. If there's something in your life that you're struggling with, L. Ron Hubbard has written a book to solve that problem. If you're feeling bored with your existence, if you can't stop eating junk food, if you can't get along with your parents, L. Ron Hubbard has written a book for it. And those books have been adapted into courses that you can take to fix every little thing wrong with your life. It starts off small. Scientology pinpoints your struggle, or ruin as they call it, and says, hey, we just so happen to have a course for that. All it costs is $50. And you think, what the heck? It couldn't hurt, right? When in reality, that $50 is just the hook, just a low ticket bait to get you used to giving them money. So you go through the course that's going to teach you how to have a successful marriage or make lots of money. But during the course, you find out that there are actually five other things messed up with your life, things that you never even thought of before. But no worries, Scientology has courses for these five problems as well, all for the fair price of $5,000 each. And that's how you get caught in the process of improvements. Scientologists continue for years paying for courses over and over again, until one day they wake up and realize that they've given the Church of Scientology half a million dollars. Once you're in Scientology, a thing called auditing becomes a big part of your life. We will begin the session now. Close your eyes. Everything that I have said to you while you're in a therapy session will be canceled and will have no force with you. Auditing is kind of like talk therapy with a little extra manipulation. The person being audited speaks with an auditor and tells them everything. I mean every little detail of this life and of the past lives you might not even remember. While a subject talks, they're connected to a device called an e-meter. You would be looking at the e-meter, you would ask me a question, and then if it reacted on the meter, then you would ask me more about that question. It's kind of like a lie detector. Many people compare it to a lie detector because it's supposed to measure your body's electrical currents. Units. Units, dude. Units of what? Units of stress. Ah, you're very, very high. And that's you're, a lot of units. And you're stressed. The e-meter supposedly tells the auditor what questions to ask and when the subject isn't telling them everything based on these bodily changes. Every single one of these sessions is recorded and it costs an average rate of $500 an hour. And the auditing session doesn't end until the auditor says so, and members go through hundreds of these auditing sessions throughout the years. So do the math on that one. Auditing has very high margins. Every Scientologist, including children, must participate in auditing sessions. But why would they? Well, they have to if they want to reach the highest levels of the religion. You basically disclose everything that could be of a negative nature, which is the only way to reach the higher levels to become clean. So many people agree to do it. After years of participating in the Church of Scientology, you might be lucky enough to be chosen for the Sea Org. 
Hubbard established the Sea Org in 1967 as a group for only the most dedicated Scientologists in the world. The church claims that there are over 5,000 Sea Org members today. Children who grow up in Scientology are taught that joining the Sea Org is the most important thing they could do in their lives. Many Scientologist parents sign over custody of their kids to the Church of Scientology, just so the kids can join the Sea Org as young as 14 years old. A requirement for joining the Sea Org is signing a billion-year contract. Yes, that's right, a billion years. The contract states that after death, you'll be given 21 years of leave from your Sea Org services, but you'll be expected to come back and keep serving the Sea Org in your next lifetime. So what's the big important work that members of the Sea Org are doing? Well, they're working for up to 16 hours a day doing manual labor or anything else they're told to do. If you're in the Sea Org, you work all the time. I mean, you're cleaning out garbage cans, you're sweeping floors, you're working, you know, 14, 15, 16 hours a day. And, that's and since they're volunteering for a religion, Scientology can pay these members next to nothing. One ex-Scientologist said that he made more money in the three months after leaving Scientology than he had in 15 years working for the church. Which brings us to yet another benefit of the business of religion, slave labor. All of the auditing and work for the Sea Org gets you to higher levels of Scientology. Each one brings you closer to the bridge of total freedom, the utmost goal for Scientologists. But it can take many years and cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to reach this mystical point of enlightenment. Scientology claims that once you reach this level, you can become an Operating Thetan, or OT. OTs can allegedly move objects with their mind, control people's behavior, and communicate telepathically. Enough! So the business of Scientology, let's, let's talk about some more facts. So Hubbard wrote more science fiction than any other author in the U.S. It's 1,084 to be precise. So this science fiction book or these science fiction books are made to be taken as truth. I mean, they're called science fiction, right? I mean, so L. Ron Hubbard has a book for every problem you may have. That's kind of weird, you know? I, I just, I, I don't understand it. And uh, then they convince you to keep coming back with manipulation and they, they blend a lie detector with um, therapy, which are two things that should, are, I mean, it's like they're trying to get a confession out of you because then they have dirt on you to keep you coming back. I mean, that's, that's basically what, what it sounds like to me and all the research that I've done on Scientology. But now we're going to be talking about the religion comes at a price. So let's check this out. I was 21 years old, living in London, Ontario, Canada. I wanted to be a documentary filmmaker. And someone had told me about what they called, who said there's this cult in New York called Scientology, which I'd never heard of. And if you give them all your money, they'll make anything possible in your life. Every single product and service that Scientology provides costs money. It's actually blatantly stated by L. Ron Hubbard that everything in the religion should come at a price. Sure, other major religions may ask their members for donations, but you'll be hard-pressed to find another one that requires its members to pay thousands of dollars to be considered a good Scientologist. Leah Remini said that the 12 basic books of Scientology cost around $4,000. They're updated often, so members must keep buying the new books. Your reactive mind is the cause of what's wrong in your life. But with Dianetics, you're going to learn how to get rid of it. Scientology took a page out of the education industrial complex. Before you can reach the bridge of total freedom, there are hundreds of courses that you need to take that cost around $650 each. 
The Hubbard College of Scientology Qualifications Division Department of Certifications and Awards does hereby certify that Anthony A. Phillips has attained the state of clear. Michelle Leclerc, another ex-member, said that she gave $5 million to Scientology over the years. Plus, Scientology pays a 10% commission to anyone who can bring in new recruits. So if you bring in five new people, you'll get a cut off all the money they give to Scientology. And you gotta give the guys at the church some credit here. Not only did they borrow from other religions, cognitive behavioral therapy, the education business, the self-help business, but they also borrowed from the very profitable multi-level marketing business. That is true innovation. And since you just lose money if you sit on billions of dollars in cash, thanks to inflation, the Church of Scientology also borrowed the page out of the Catholic Church's book and poured that cash into real estate. The church owes approximately 12 million square feet of property around the world. Scientology has become a fundraising and real estate empire rather than a spiritual religious empire. In addition to the revenue, Scientology also has low expenses thanks to the exploits of free labor. Many Scientologists, like those in the Sea Org, work for free for decades. The max I got paid, you know, on a weekly basis was 50 bucks. Sea Org workers take home something between 6 and 40 cents an hour. So if you've got very low labor costs, no taxes to pay, and wealthy people giving you donations, you can see why Scientology has amassed huge piles of money. The only thing Scientology ever pays for are legal protection, private investigators, and the cost of harassing ex-members. They hire private detectives to harass people. I have been sued twice. Financial ruin. Years of harassment. Their homes broken into, have them beaten. We chased her around, we followed her to the airport. Gotten hold of personal phone records. Slashed their tires, break their car windows. I was locked in a chicken wire cage. In fact, the church's biggest expense is scaring ex-members into keeping their mouths shut about Scientology. So they basically take people's life savings and they want you to bring as many people as you can into their religion. So like most churches, you know, it's free. You can go and you can learn about God or, or whatever it is, but they make you pay for every single thing that you do. And not just a little bit. They convince you by doing these sessions to do a lot. And not only that, they make you do free slave labor where you get basically nothing. I mean, maybe 60 cents, I think one guy said once on a, on a documentary that I was watching. And then if you talk bad about it, or if you're an ex-member, they hire these private investigators to harass you, to, to bully you. And, and it's just, it's just insane the amount of money. I mean, they have so much money and they use the money to attack people and attack ex-members or attack people that are talking like I'm talking right now. So, you know, we'll see if something happens to me with this one, you know, Scientology. So now we're going to be getting into uh, the war, Scientology's war with the IRS, because to be an official religion, you have to be tax exempt. And who does that? The IRS. So let's check out this clip. In 1957, the IRS revoked Scientology's tax-exempt status because it was determined that Scientology was a commercial organization. The church spent the next 25 years playing dirty to fight back. An investigation by the New York Times discovered that Scientology had actually orchestrated a plot to destroy the lives of individual IRS employees. Scientology's lawyers hired private investigators to dig into the private lives of IRS officials and basically stalked them to uncover potential vulnerabilities. 
The church even financed an organization of IRS whistleblowers that attacked the agency publicly. Eventually, the IRS had had enough, and the commissioner agreed to negotiate with the church. Can you imagine the IRS agreeing to negotiate with you about paying your taxes? Yeah, me neither. They came to an agreement, and the Church of Scientology was granted religious recognition and tax-exempt status by the IRS in 1993. I mean, considering that Scientology makes around $500 million a year, that's over $100 million they'd be losing to taxes. And Scientology successfully bullied the IRS into not paying them. Scientology would do anything to hold onto its tax-exempt status, including suing, harassing, stalking, and slander, and even making someone disappear if that's what it takes. Like, think about this. Scientology stalked the IRS and made them do what they wanted them to do until they got their tax-exempt status, which saves them money, I guess. I, I, I really don't know how that works, but it just means that the government legitimized their phony religion, which is insanity. That's insanity. And they, they, they got the government to do that. That's some scary stuff. If they can do that, they can they can do a lot of things. Now, this next part, I'm gonna this last and last clip before I get Jake and Opa's opinions. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the punishment and consequences of Scientology. So let's play that clip. I knew they had their goons around. And then the guy rolls down his window and I saw the truck and he starts filming and I go, okay, this is not good. What's going on? Oh, we're just doing a documentary. That was a private investigator who's been following us all night long. The Church of Scientology is known for intimidating former members who leave the church. You hear stories about people leaving Scientology and you hear about them coming to your house and scaring you and or, you know, threatening you. For current members of the church, discipline comes in the form of physical punishment, usually from the church's leader, David Miscavige. You are missing the signpost up ahead, the one that reads, next stop, infinity. Many ex-Scientologists have horrible stories about David beating people. We'd be in meetings and he would punch people in the meeting. On two occasions, David Miscavige struck me. And one of the last uh, occasions was in the 2000s. It was shortly before I left. And uh, he punched me and he, he basically, I had glasses at the time. He punched me so hard in the face that my glasses broke. Did David Miscavige ever beat you? Many, many, times. many, many times. And we, did you witness him beat others? Many, many, many times. Scientology also has big consequences in store for people who dare cross them. And there are no limits to the extent they'll punish someone who betrays them. I don't know other churches that demand to destroy people's lives if they leave and speak out publicly against it. I don't know real churches who demand families to break apart if one feels uh, that they should leave. Like Michelle Leclerc. Michelle was a member of Scientology for 21 years. She was married to a man and raised four children in the church. But then when she came terms with the fact that she was a lesbian, the church made her life a nightmare. Every time I tried to reach out to the church, my thoughts of women and my confession um, of homosexuality was used against me. She tried to get a divorce and leave Scientology four separate times, but they kept telling her to pay for more courses and do more work on her marriage. But it wasn't until she threatened to stop giving the church money that they finally let her file for divorce. I said, if you do not get me out of session and start this divorce immediately, you will not get another dime from me. And the next day I was in the chaplain's office with a lawyer on the phone writing up our divorce agreement. But they weren't just gonna let her leave. 
they told the California Department of Corporations that Michelle was operating a Ponzi scheme. She ended up being indicted and paying back $1.2 million. Now, whenever Michelle speaks up about Scientology, they can just say, oh, don't listen to her, she's a felon. But Michelle claims that the Church of Scientology set her up to take the fall. After members leave the church, they're labeled as suppressive people. Their families are forced to stop communicating with them. They become completely isolated to everyone they were close to. But still, other members don't even get a chance to escape Scientology. Like Shelly Miscavige, the wife of Scientology's leader David Miscavige. Shelly and David met in the Sea Org. For years, they were the power couple of Scientology. Until one day, she just disappeared without a trace. Shelly has now been missing for the past 15 years. Some speculate that she's dead. Others think she's being held captive by David in the mountains of Los Angeles for all these years. Do you think he has the ability, the will, to order his wife be locked away? Absolutely, there's no question about it. It's believed that Shelly is being punished because she defied David by using a new system with his staff while he was out of town. People who ask about Shelly are always met with aggression. Coming here and making it seem dark and mysterious, that all that does is you create threats against us. Very innocent people. Why do you come like here? As often as Why do like you contact you? media relations? We will. We will. When her friend Leah Remini dared to ask about her whereabouts, she was forced to undergo intense auditing for four months, and she wasn't allowed to leave until they were satisfied. Leah paid three hundred thousand dollars for the privilege. What's that guy doing? With the phone, right? Yep. Yeah, look at look at how they're like pointing they this way. They both have their phones pointed, pointed this, this way. way. I got the guy with his phone. Scientology denies Shelly is even missing. To this day, nobody has heard from or seen Shelly Miscavige since 2007. And David continues to run the Church of Scientology with an iron fist. Church of Scientology says that Shelly has been cited several times, but there's not really been any proof. So, I mean, take that with a grain of salt. And um, there is actually a really good movie called The Master. It's a 2012 film with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix. That is like, uh, it's it's about L. Ron Hubbard, but it they because they don't want to be sued, so they they kind of change the characters. But that's what it's based on, and it's it's a really good movie from what I remember uh, watching it. But what are your thoughts about it, Jake? Just this whole topic. Yeah, I think just Scientology is, I mean, you could see how they operate. They I mean, they give a 10% cut to anybody who brings in other members. So it's basically a pyramid scheme. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> it is a, a wonderful insight on how somebody has used the model of modern religion to pretty much uh, create an empire. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy to me that people... Uh, are wholeheartedly buying into Scientology and and still are practicing members, and uh, and you know of course it makes sense that when you have celebrity mouthpieces, uh, that you know they're going to sway a lot of people to look into whatever organization they're touting as miraculous, right? Mm -hmm. But I know there's a number of celebrities that were Scientologists that have since uh spoken out and left the church of scientology I, I believe i believe steven seagal was once a prominent member of scientology and then left it and uh was kind of exposing some stuff about it but i mean uh, it's just uh it really is uh <laughs> a head scratcher uh, and i mean it makes sense if they're employing uh practical you know psychology to help people overcome their mental issues and and people do see some 
form of improvement in their life and that's why they then you know give their whole life savings to these people but just uh you know be careful because it's it, you know there's more people that operate in the way scientology is operating than i think we're aware of i think you know it's, it's all uh we got to be very careful with the groups of people because even you know regular churches operate in a similar fashion because yep. i know uh you know there's a lot of people um there, there's there's a good old boy club when it comes to a lot of different religions and it's oftentimes the people that pay the most money that have the biggest say on how a community operates yep and i i know two stories but i i don't i can't say that they are 100 percent legit people say that they are but there were two people two people that we've talked about on the show that have actually thought about joining scientology one of them was charles manson he went in there he said this is too crazy for me those were his words <laughs> and then the, the the other one is elvis presley who's like my favorite musician ever and i know too much about him like i love elvis and he he was like yeah they're just trying to get your money they're just trying to get your money and then later on priscilla and um lisa marie uh, apparently joined it's never been confirmed but apparently lisa marie kind of the last couple of years of her life was trying to get in the inner circle and trying to like get to david miscavige to, to take them down that's that's what i've heard but it's it's uh it's a crazy crazy religion anyways what are your thoughts opa i think we uh we don't have a problem at all because we don't have enough money to do anything with scientology <laughs> you mean like with them suing us no just even joining them i mean you know we don't have enough money to pay for the books or the courses or you know three hundred thousand uh, dollars for this and that and the other i mean we're just little peons back there yeah and especially with youtube people think that if you get thousands of views or thousands of, of subscribers that you make a lot of money we've made uh, like a hundred the, the most we've ever made on youtube is like 110 dollars <laughs> And I think that's because they're trying to, you know, suppress us. But those are just my opinions. But uh, if you guys have any any opinions or want to share your thoughts, please leave them in the comment section. And before we move on to the meme se segment, I want to do the the giveaway thing. So me and Jake, if if the Mexican alien thing that Jake covered last week was so funny to me, I don't know why. Uh, but I want to do a competition with you guys or, you know, do a giveaway with this hat right here, the Skiba News Nation hat. The best person to, to create their version, it doesn't matter what you do, if you use clay, if you, you know, wh however you want to do it. The, the, the one that we choose that's the most, you know, the, the most clever one will win this hat. So I'll put it in the community tab on YouTube, and that is the little flyer I made. Look how crazy that thing looks. That is so... It's like they, they've seen E.T., you know? So, anyways, I thought that, that would be pretty fun, so... You got some memes for me, Jake? Yeah, I got some memes for you, Jeremiah. And before we jump over, I wanted to ask, you know, the past couple weeks, you know, you've covered the Clintons, 
you've covered big pharma industry, and now you've covered Scientology, all three of which are well known to take people out and send their goons. So I just, I wanted to ask you, are, are you doing all right, man? Do you got some kind of death wish or what's going on? <laughs> man, one thing I love about the state of Texas is the constitutional carry. I wish somebody would try something. That's all I got to say. It's my Texas Southern roots and it'll come out. There are a couple of black SUVs outside, but yeah, every time we film, they're oh, they're, they're they got here. got the binoculars and they're they're you know they're trying to you remember when the power shuts off sometimes? I'm pretty sure it's from them, but other than that, oh, we're man. we're good. Well, you know, you guys, you know, just be careful. You know, that's all I gotta say. You know, we we uh we definitely are poking at the big rhinos, if you know what I mean. Yep, and that's what we should be doing. That's true news i think so all right well you ready to move on to some memes here we go meme me up Uh, well, in our Instagram generation, you know, I know a lot of young ladies <clears throat> probably received this advice and it's not good. Uh, I heard if you show a little ass, you get more likes. <laughs> I really hope that this works. <laughs> All right, ladies, just just keep in mind, you know, don't follow the world's, uh, you know, suggestions and and uh, hide these cute little fellas because uh, you, know, you don't want to show that off to everybody and their brother you know my yep. goodness donkeys are adorable <laughs> though I must admit second favorite animal yep alright uh, here we go uh, what's made of leather and sounds like a sneeze what a shoe <laughs> a shoe, <laughs> a shoe. <laughs> oh man alright uh cashless society means zero cash everything will be recorded every transaction will be tracked it's all about control but most people will only care when it's too late some wisdom there shared by uh opa all right uh not every place you fit is where you belong <laughs> <laughs> oh man now, now, what would be funny is if you swapped it and put the garlic clove in the, you know, orange, and then somebody, like, took a bite of their orange and, like, bit into a garlic clove. <laughs> oh, man. That would be funny. <laughs> yeah, some, yeah, some truth there. All right. Did you know that the first computer programmer was a woman? And Xavier comments, that's why computer language is difficult to understand. <laughs> oh man can you attest to this opa is you know i mean is this uh before your computer tech days or no it's not actually uh i first programming i did was on a ibm 407 accounting machine which 
did just like that. You had a bunch of wires and you had to plug them in oh, one wow. place to another. And you remember you watch the movies and you see all those IBM cards sort being sorted through. And at the very end, it's the one card you needed. Well, that's what I was doing. Did you know that OPA has an Apple II? Like the an second, Apple II. yeah, you know the Apple One, the first generation, the very, very first Apple computers. He has an Apple uh -huh. II, like the the second model. It's well, the first the first one was only a circuit board, and and you kind of had to build your own enclosure and power supply and stuff like that. The second one was the Apple's first commercial release of of their computer. Isn't that crazy? Oh wow! Yeah, I, I mean. Opa, you seeing how computers were set up back in the day must make seeing my, uh, you know, tent setup just mind-boggling. Like when you see that transition between a computer that takes up an entire room and something that we can now fit in a camping tent, you know. Actually, a computer back in my day took up more than just one room. It took up several oh, wow. rooms. And there were vacuum tubes. Wow, and you had to have the big, big bucks just to make it work for as a calculator, right? Yeah. And now you have one in your pocket. Yeah, and I just got to thinking. I don't even know if a lot of people out there know what a vacuum tube is from the old TVs and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so uh, here's a, a funny post on a library wall. It says, please do not eat in the library. The ants will get in, they will learn how to read, then they will get too smart. Knowledge is power and power corrupts. So the ants will turn evil and take over the world. <laughs> if they haven't the already. Best motivation to not eat in the I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like starship troopers, you know, <laughs> but they'll be like, we ate the crumbs from your library and now we are taking over all right here's one it's called a joke we used to tell them before people became offended by everything <laughs> yep uh here's a cool fe meme you know it's a bible verse that says the earth takes shape like clay under a seal its features stand out like those of a garment and uh, there you go. You have your azimuthal equidistant map, uh, the UN logo, for those of you who are curious. Very interesting. Uh, $80 million fighter jet. The U.S. government's like, ah, no big deal, blah, blah, blah. Your $600 VMO. <laughs> let's, let's zoom in there and see what these people are using their $600 for, not reporting <laughs> to the IRS. Oh, man. All right, uh, here's uh, the Starship Enterprise uh, flying alongside a fighter jet. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, <laughs> the Wizard of Oz plot summary. Two women fight over a pair of shoes. The end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually. Uh, have you ever heard, uh, Opa, uh, Jeremiah, have you guys ever heard that The Wizard of Oz is actually a narrative about uh, capitalism? And there's like a, an underlying uh, interesting uh, kind of narrative that The Wizard of Oz is commenting on. 
Uh, I've never heard that, but I know it syncs up with Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, it's on our Patreon, actually. I, was, I think that's, that's good. That's what I was about to bring up next. I think that's good for a history segment, Jeremiah. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll put it on the list. Yep. Sweet. All right. Uh, uh, here's a question. Why do fish live in salt water? Because pepper makes them sneeze. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> Sierra sent me that one. Uh, so here's a, an old picture of a car lot, and one is $75, and it says runs good, and one is priced $76, and it says runs gooder. I Man, wouldn't buy, like, I wouldn't buy a car. imagine for... if the dollar went this far? <laughs> yeah. We can only wish. Now, that's... That's back in the day when it was backed by gold, and they had actual gold in Fort Knox, you know. <laughs> yep. All right, but now today, compare the price of a tiny, tiny package of ground beef, 1995, you know. <laughs> With only four packages of ground beef from today's world that are the size of your thumbnail, you could buy a car back in, you know, what, 1920s, 1930s? It's crazy. Oh, man. All right, so we are about to go into our amazing RV segment that was submitted by OPA. And to kick us off, here is the first ever true motorhome. It was made in 1909. It was six and a half feet wide and 28 feet long. It slept 11 people, had a salon, a toilet, and an ice box. Wow. So, <laughs> Very oh, cool. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty amazing. Pretty and uh and it makes me wonder you know how many of those 11 people were ladies they were like billy bob if you're gonna build that long vehicle 28 feet long you better put a hair salon in there <laughs> like of all the things you could have in the first motorhome ever you have a hair salon a salon right yep oh man uh back in the day a, a salon probably just meant a chair in front of a mirror you know, so. <laughs> All right, and so fast forward to today's world. Uh, you know, we have uh, some pretty amazing contraptions. Uh, this looks like it's not going anywhere, so it's probably not so mobile. But it the hillbillies. Cool. The hillbillies. A hillbilly. The Beverly hillbillies upgraded. Beverly hillbillies upgrade there. Uh, here's a like one from the '80s. This thing's. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Heavy duty. I really like that one. Uh, and here's another one. Whoa. It's like you combine a limo. <laughs> now, my question is, this little area in the front here that's super, like, short, like, what in the world is that for? <laughs> you just, maybe for your it's luggage. It's a coffin bed. You, all yeah. Right, yeah maybe, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, it's, just luggage. It's a yacht. A yacht. <laughs> I was going to say, it looks like a, oh, like a yacht. Man. So we have seen how RVs have evolved over the years. Pretty amazing. Uh, and he, on the same topic of uh, vehicles, uh, I tried to I tried to drive it, but it wouldn't start. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, here's a meme about Tim Tebow. This man did not take a knee in protest. He took a knee in prayer. And it was called controversial. Let that sink in. Yep. 
Yeah, now uh, now they all got all kinds of uh, you know issues with the modern sports leagues. Uh, I love to tell the joke uh, back in the day, you know, thousands of years ago. I I, I should say, uh, people used to worship uh, Baal, right? You know, they they had the idol of Baal and, and they would bow down to it. Well, in today's world, people still worship Baal. They worship football and baseball and basketball and globe ball baltard <laughs> and and the globe ball <laughs> that's a good i'm gonna add that to my list jeremiah thank you so much that was a good you're one. i won't charge for that one <laughs> all right uh and here is who Baal was back in the day uh all planets are named after gods of this world uh, who, you know, your your dad's research has pulled out of uh, the biblical text, right? These were the fallen angels and Book of Enoch and, and, and various sources that kind of point to the fact that Mars, Venus, Mercury, Saturn, Jupiter, Neptune, Uranus, Pluto, all these ancient alien gods that all these cultures have recorded with the, their various names but very similar attributes in many different cultures, they are all the manifestation of fallen watchers. So yep. uh, that was a cool picture there. Uh, the reason these toys are critical as kids, you know, the little fit the square in the hole toy. Yep. <laughs> this lady is trying to fit this bed, this uh, like wooden frame bed into her car. <laughs> They're trying to save on the, the delivery fee. Yeah, saving the delivery. Let's just try to see if it fits. Let's just try. <laughs> I can imagine that happening, man. All right. Uh, when someone highly educated, uh, oh, sorry. When someone says, I'm highly educated, but all I hear is, I'm fully indoctrinated. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice. Yeah. So true. Man, the, the amount of interactions I've had online with people being like, why are you so anti vax? Why are you so anti establishment? I'm like, uh, I, I just have an open mind and they're like, well, I'm educated and I believe different than you. You know, it's just so like back when so going true. to college was, uh, you know, that that used to be where you could have an open mind and debate and stuff like when Opa went to college. But today, nope. Oh, yeah. Now that's where you close your mind and become indoctrinated to the furthest extent of modern propaganda and agendas. Yep. Uh, so. <laughs> You know, with the controversy of how Walmart is, you know, replacing its employees with, you know, computers and self-checkout. Uh, starting December 5th, customers will be required to unload semi-trucks at Walmart. This will be in addition to your self-checkout duties. <laughs> if you want stuff, you're going to have to unload it yourself. We're not doing it for you anymore. Yep. Oh, man. All right, uh... Here's a funny uh, little story here. An antelope was running like mad. An elephant asked him, Antelope, why are you running like that? She replied, The police are arresting all the goats in the village. The elephant retorted, But you're not a goat. The antelope replied, With our current judiciary system, it will take me 20 years to prove that I am not a goat. And the elephant started running. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, corrupt judicial systems that uh, cater to uh, the, the corrupt, I guess. <laughs> All right. Um, 
here's a funny uh, FE one. You know the Earth is 71% water? That's uncarbonized? That's accurate. So technically, flat. <laughs> so if you're ever making a, a FE proof to somebody, you can use this one. It's hilarious. Yep. They can't argue against that. You know, they can't argue against that proof there. All right, here's a, a picture of actors on the top, you know. Uh, then you have actors here in the middle, and then you have actors here at the bottom. They're yep. all actors. Actors in a different stage, you know. Mm -hmm. All right, and final meme of the day. <laughs> How I flush a public toilet. Oh, I do. Michael Jackson. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Those things are so gross. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, that's all the memes for this week, Jeremiah. All right, Jake, thank you for another great current news and memes as always. Opa, thank you for another great Opus Corner. Hope you guys enjoyed today's history segment, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. So never quit fighting. Let no man deceive you. Thank you for standing alongside us as we fight for justice and continue our quest for truth. Subscribe and stay tuned. If you would like to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon, where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcast on your favorite podcast platform.